Hello, I'm Ivan Petrella, um, the Joint Residential Fellow at the Safra Center for Ethics and the Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society at Harvard University. And my name is Javier Corrales. I'm a professor of political science at Amherst College in Massachusetts. You know, I recently read a really interesting piece by Javier in Foreign Policy. The piece was called Trump's Defeat Was World Historic. And since I've got the pleasure of talking to him today, I, I, I hope that he can just tell us a little bit about why Trump's defeat was world historic. Well, Ivan, thank you very much for those kind words. Um, what I was arguing in this piece is that very few democracies that end up electing autocratic populist presidents succeed in defeating them electorally. That normally what we see is that these presidents are able to stay in office through elections and gradually as their competitiveness declines, they start to change the electoral system so that they become undefeated. So experiences worldwide of political oppositions to autocratic populism defeating the incumbent on the first election that they uh, uh, run are truly remarkable, are very, very unusual. And in that sense, the United States achieved a world historic um, um, result. The experience that I am mostly familiar with is based on Latin America and Europe. And there what we see is that most typically it takes more than just one round. It takes more than just uh, 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 elections to unseat these uh, populist leaders. The result was also significant because in the United States, it's not very typical for incumbents to lose power in uh, the when they seek re-election. There is something that we call incumbents advantage. And since, um, since FDR, we've only had three presidents running for office who lose. So even for U.S. standards, the uh, defeat, Trump's defeat is also a uh, remarkable, but not as remarkable as when we look at the experience worldwide. You know, one of the things I really loved about the piece is that if you read all the stuff that's been published about populism in the past few years, you know, there's lots, you know, there's how democracies die from Libitsky and Ziblatt, there's all the stuff that Kasmat or Jan Werner Muller or Jeska Munch has been publishing. There's a lot of scholarship on how countries slide into populism. That is how populism, how populists come to power. But there's really almost nothing. In fact, I think maybe yours is the first piece about how countries can leave populism behind, you know, which I think is a key piece of scholarship. I mean, before, you know, my, my position now as a fellow at Harvard, I worked in the Argentine government under Mauricio Macri's government. I was secretary of culture and director of Argentina 2030. My minor quibble with your piece is that you leave out that election, Macri's in the end of 2015, as a defeat of a populist government. And when we were in government, you know, we we're actually very conscious of the idea that we needed to be reelected. We failed to be reelected, of course, to put an end to the cycle of populism in Argentina. But beyond that quibble, I have, I have a question for you, which I'm very interested in both theoretically and practically. 
And one of the problems with the Democrats now vis-a-vis -vis the Republicans and a problem we face in Argentina is that you seem to have two political parties that play by different rules. Like one plays soccer, the other comes in with baseball bats. You know, how do you face a populist political party that is breaking the unwritten norms time and time again? <laughs> well, Ivan, um, yes. Um, in many ways, I completely agree that I started a line of inquiry that is very new. We in political science don't really have strong, solid answers to your question of how do you get parties to compete with each other that are playing very different games. Um, now, what I'm offering, and this is a working hypothesis based on the U.S. case, is that it paid off in the United States for the other side to compete against populism by emphasizing moderation with some degree of innovation, what I call moderate daringness. Which is a great term, uh, by the way. I really like that, uh, moderate daringness. Well, I, thought it was, I thought it was really cool. Uh, thank you. In other words, the idea is don't just recycle all ideas, but also don't go crazy with promising too much of an overhaul. So you need to do a little bit of that and, um, and, and certainly not emulate the extremism on the part of uh, the opposition. They, don't, they shouldn't be uh, saying, well, you know, if we want to defeat populism, let's also become populist, but from the other end of the ideological spectrum. That's definitely not what the United States did. Now, like I said, it's the first case. We may need far more evidence. And the reason why I didn't um, include the remarkable election in which Macri wins, which was really, really uh, amazing because in Argentina to defeat such a 